Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is episode 58 for the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. We're going to begin on page 205 with In Service, but first, we're going to give our introductions. Lisa H., what's happening? Hey, I'm Lisa. I'm an addict. My clean day is February 25th, 2012. Uh, I attend meetings in Central Western PA. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. All right. Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Eva? Hi, everybody. Eva P. here. My clean date is June 10th, 2000. I attend meetings in Salem, Oregon, the Mid-Willamette Valley area. Um, And my home group is the Do It Hard meeting. All right. Thanks, Eva. What's up, Jane A.? Hey, 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 everybody. Jane A. here from Salem, Oregon. Clean date is December 22nd, 1979, and my home group is the Thursday noon basic tech study. Thanks, Jane. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas Barbar here. I'm in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Uh, My clean date is October 4th, 1995. I'm coming on a birthday and my home group is the Open Mind Meet Hybrid Meeting in New Orleans. All right, thanks, Barb. What's up, Jennifer? Uh, my name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. Thanks, Jennifer. Ladies and gentlemen, what's happening to Lee P? Hey, Douglas, thank you. Lee, addict, uh, clean date, 827.87. And like Barb, I'm a member of the hybrid Monday night open mind group of Narcotics Anonymous. All right. Thanks, Lee. And we have a guest this evening, Connor. What's happening, Connor? Introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. Uh, My name is Connor B. Um, I attend meetings in the central Indiana area of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, My clean date is January 23rd, 2021. And my home group is the Monday night group of NA. All right. Thanks, Connor. Welcome. And folks, I'm an addict named Douglas. I got clean March 12th, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go. Episode 58, Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. We're going to begin on page 205 with In Service, and Lisa H. is going to facilitate. Take it away, Lisa. Thanks, Doug. Eva, can we kick it over to you to read and share on In Service? Sure, thanks. My name's Eva. Oh, wait. <laughs> Again. Oh, shit. Here we go. In service, we learn to take on obligations thoughtfully to ensure that we can follow through on what we've promised. In other areas of our lives as well, we find that planning and following through makes us feel good about ourselves. We do it best to ensure that we can be responsible even if our circumstances change. I went through a hard time in my business and had to live off my savings for a while. I was ashamed to talk about it in meetings, but I shared with a fellow addict. Later, he told me that this was a message of hope for him because I planned ahead, I was able to make it through a tough time. What I saw was, what I saw as failure, he has, he saw as a success. One more time, I gained a better perspective on my life. We also noticed that in NA, that those who do not give it away tend to not keep it. The idea that giving is a crucial part of having is something many of us are surprised to discover. We may not, we may or may not have mental or material wealth, but our emotional, spiritual, and mental resources are enormous. We have a wealth of experience. When we give our energy, time, talent, and creativity, we are rewarded many times over. 
Um, yeah, I, um, I, especially in the first part of my recovery, the first five years of my recovery, I didn't get a lot of material wealth or things. Um, in fact, in the first 10 years, even the first five years of my husband and my marriage, um, we went through a lot of hard times. But what I can tell you is that no matter what we had, we always gave away uh, to other people what what we could. I also have been in service the whole time in my recovery, um, the whole time in my recovery. And um, I don't think it's about having a bunch of money or things like that. It's about what I can give in Narcotics Anonymous that gives me a better life. And um, and I have a better life today because, especially because of H and I, I've been doing H and I since I had um, two years clean, since I was able to um, get into places. Um, I've done H and I and um, have not ever stopped in H and I. So um, you know, for 20 years, and I think that that's made my recovery during the hardest times in my recovery. Um, some of the only thing that kept me clean was going into those meetings and um, taking a meeting into the jail. I could tell you when I walk in, sometimes I feel like I don't want to get up early on a Saturday morning and go into a jail and deal with getting, you have to call and make sure that they're open. You have to do all these things. And um, when I leave that place, it's like, um, it's like a whole new world. It's like a whole new attitude. Um, it's like uh, it's like I've been reminded that again we can only keep what we have by giving it away, you know. And um, and I think that my time is my most valuable asset. And um, if I don't give my time to Narcotics Anonymous and the program, and that includes um, sponsees as well, but I think even above and beyond that I have to do above and beyond sponsees because sponsees is an obligation for me to like, that is like, you learn how to do the 12 steps, you go through them with your sponsor and bam, it's your turn to do it. That's just the way it is. But I think that people, at least I used to think that um, things like area and H&I and PR and things like that, that was extra. And the truth is, is it's not extra. That too is an obligation that I need to give back in order to get all of the gifts that I'm promised. Well, I'm only promised freedom, but to get to feel that actual freedom of Narcotics Anonymous, that I need to do all those things. Like to feel the happiness that I feel and, and, and as free as I can possibly be, I need to do all those things. Um, so for me, that's, that's the Narcotics Anonymous that I've learned and, um, and giving it away is like one of the most important things in um, my program. So thanks y'all. Thanks, Eva. We're gonna kick it over to Lee. Thanks, Lisa. And Eva, you really covered it. Um, it's kind of hard to follow behind you right now. Um, but there is one point of, of giving away what I've received that that I think, I even think Doug will agree with me on this, is that Narcotics Anonymous saved my life and it, and it gave me this amazing life. And for me, I still, I mean, even after three and a half decades of, of service and all the things you mentioned, sponsorship, step guidance, Asia and I, public relations, fellowship development, delegate, um, even after all of those things, I still have this feeling like I owe a debt to Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Doug, for signing off on that. Uh, that I owe a debt to Narcotics Anonymous, one one that I can never repay because you know by all rights I should be either dead uh, in a mental uh, mental institution for life or incarcerated for life. <clears throat> um, and, and a strange thing happened earlier. I went out, out to the country to do some work to keep the parish off my butt about the, the grass. And when I was bringing some gas cans and stuff to my back shed, I looked in my alley and there was a bottle of pills about this big laying on the ground. 
from Walmart, but they had ripped the, uh, the prescription off. And I've been in a series of necessary days from, from losing my sponsor when he died. And it took everything I had to not have a reaction and try to, to foster a response. I, I, I'm standing in my alley doing the third step. I mean, Doug, you've been outside of my house. You, you saw what that alley looks like. Um, and then I came and sat on the front steps and called 311. And they still haven't come. And the pills are in the abandoned houses mailbox next door. And I didn't even want to touch it because I'm terrified of this drug. Fentanyl is killing people like it's free. Um, and so it was just a weird experience. Like when I was using, I never found drugs. You know what I mean? One of my neighbors identified the drug and it's a quite popular drug. Um, but a part of, of giving back was to make sure, and I'm probably, I'm probably going to go destroy them after we finish the podcast because I would hate for some kid to, I don't know why a kid would be in the mailbox at an abandoned house, but, and, and I'm kind of rambling. So, so thanks, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Me. Thanks, Lee. If there's no other comments, uh, Barb, can we bring it over to you to start the section on work on page 206? Thanks, Lisa. While the steps help us to become better people, service is one way we learn how to function in the world again. Many of the skills we learn in service translate into our working lives. We may sometimes feel like outsiders or imposters in our jobs, but in NA service, we are full participants. We don't second guess our primary purpose or our right to participate. In a fellowship where the ultimate authority is a power greater than ourselves, we learn how to work with others as a peer with something to offer and something to learn rather than seeing ourselves as an authority or a victim. We learn to channel our energy in a constructive direction and we can practice staying focused. We stretch beyond our current abilities and find that we can survive and succeed even if we are not perfect. Service counteracts selfishness and increases our feelings of self-worth. We learn to step back and think before we, re we respond. Not everything that affects us is personal and we don't have to return fire every time. NA gives us a safe place to make mistakes, find out who we are and learn how to relate to people. The things that make us defensive or self-righteous tend to be pretty much the same wherever we go. We see our character defects manifesting and find humility, make amends, or just change course and start over. Everyone makes mistakes promptly, admitting when we are wrong, shows integrity and responsibility for our actions. The experience of service helps us take on responsibilities and learn to meet them as we go. We learn to sit still and listen and to make our voice heard when we have something to say. We start to feel we can take our rightful place in the world without feeling fear or shame. As we practice these principles in all our affairs, some of the distinctions between who we are in our work lives and in our recovery lives, recovery lives begin to fall away. Um, and I like that. And everything, um, you know, everything I've learned when I came, when I came in the program, you know, I couldn't live and I couldn't die. And um, I didn't, and I didn't know how to live, you know, and you guys literally taught me from opening a bank account you know, to uh, writing a check from, you know, just your basic things I learned here in the rooms, you know, and, and service did. And, and like a group conscience, you know, taught me that, um, you know, you let it go, you take a vote, you know, you ask HP and you take a vote and then you let it go. What a concept that was to me, you know, to not get my way, you know, and there was a couple of times where I took my toys and went home because I didn't get my way, you know, that's what all this stuff sounds really um, beautiful. And it took me a long time in recovery to be able to do a lot of this stuff, a lot of these behaviors, even to pause when agitated, you know, and to sit still and listen and to be able to stand up for myself. When I came in, I was passive aggressive. You know, I was one or the other, you know, I was, I was out of balance and everything. And, and recovery has been about finding that balance, you know, and about finding out who Barb is so I can um, be true to Barb, you know, so, um, and service that has been, um, you know, my first, the first thing I probably did was, um, 
I had my first sponsor made me uh, go to women's meetings and that was the best thing that ever could have happened. And I, I opened that business meeting for a few years. I mean, I opened that women's meeting for um, a few years, you know, I went and opened it and sat it up, set it up. And, um, and that was important for me. And at the time I didn't want to do it. I remember, you know, my sponsors make me do it so she don't have to do it. You know, I didn't realize the value until years down the line. Now that, that kept me clean. You know, that was an important um, position. And pretty soon that group did become um, very much a part of me. You know, I took pride in that group. And then I, I started, there was a, um, in a group here that we um, took over from a guy that started it. And um, for a while, it was just me and another girl, you know, and I remember my sponsor telling me there, there'll come a time when you got to step back from that, you know, because I've seen groups that become personalities and they go under, you know, and that was hard for me, you know, because it becomes mine, you know, that's how I am in recovery too. It's me, me, mine, you know, but I did step back from that group, you know, so um I'm kind of rambling too, Lee. I'm kind of a little under the weather. So um, I'm grateful to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Jen? Thanks, Lisa. There's a couple things that stuck out. Um, you know, uh, many of the skills we learn in service translate into our working lives. And when I got clean, I had zero working skills, right? I'd had three job, minimum wage jobs at, at places that, you know, pizza places. And I didn't show up for them and got fired, all of them, because I was getting loaded, you know? So my skill set was, I knew how to get loaded and I knew how to steal. Uh, I knew how to not work. Um, <laughs> and, and I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot in service that continues, you know, almost 30 years later to translate into to my job and specifically, and I'll talk about this, you know, I, I was, an, well, I've always been an area service junkie, right? You know, and, and we do parliamentary procedure and Robert's rules of orders and all of this stuff. And in 2005, I got a job um, that has an annual meeting and these board meetings that use parliamentary procedure. And I had somebody like hand me a book and I got to say, I actually already know how to do this. And I actually already own this book. And they kind of looked at me sideways and was like, really? And I go, yeah. And so I was able to conduct business and understand what was going on and participate in the process. Um, I mean, and talk about translating it into like, I would have never thought that I would have used that shit at area service at my job ever, you know? And I just recently started a new job where their board meetings and their executive committee meetings are ran the same exact way. Like, I don't know how, you know, I didn't know people in the real world did this. I just knew how to do it in Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and the really amazing part about that is, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it, it's when I talk about like going to area service and talk about being of service, it, it goes back, you know, the, the lower in the paragraph, it says, or later in the paragraph, it says service counteracts selfishness and increases our feeling of self-worth. Well, I came here with no self-worth. I didn't know anything about anything when I got here. Um, and I got to go to area service and it was a madhouse when I first got clean, right? Like we called it area circus. People like joke about it, but like, it was the real deal, right? It was five hours long and everybody was fighting and it was all personalities and, and our area has kind of figured it out and it got better over time. But with that, during area service, anytime I'm of service in any way, the one person I'm typically not thinking about is me. And, you know, I'm busy doing my little responsibilities. I'm busy taking care of this. I'm fellowshipping. I'm checking in with people and I'm not thinking about me. And, um, and it's not just at area or at that kind of level. It could just be making a phone call and talking to somebody on the phone. But for sure in those meetings, you know, I'm thinking about what the next step is, what the next process is, what do we have to do next? What are we voting on? And never Am I thinking about, oh, feeling sorry for myself because some shit that happened, you know? Um, and, and, I, and I will say, again, within that term of service, um, I've had many character de defects um, manifest. And I've had very people there very lovingly approach me and say, we do this for a reason or we don't do this for a reason. And this is why we don't, you know, as I'm talking out of the side of my neck, acting like I know what I'm talking about. Um, and it's been a really good experience where I'm not humiliated in front of a, a body or a, a meeting. You know, I am, am I'm taught, you know, um, and that's what Narcotics Anonymous has done for me. Um, you know, and the, 
And then lastly, the last thing I'll just say is that, you know, over the span of my, my working life, um, since I've been clean, I've really gotten to practice a lot, almost all of what I've learned in recovery, right? And probably, you know, acted out on some shit that I shouldn't have either. But um, I think just having having a way, having a spiritual foundation, having a connection, having the knowledge of what principles are, how I apply them in my life allows me in the workplace to not, um, you know, A, get myself in trouble for talking outside of my neck. Luckily, I can do that, at, you know, in a meeting. Um, but at, and secondary to that, I really do have the capacity today. I've learned how to, you know, respond instead of react. But all of that happened here in Narcotics Anonymous. And so um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Jen. I relate a lot to what you shared about, um, you know, service generalizing into work. Um, you know, I'm currently serving as area chair in my area, which ironically, it sounds like the biggest job, but it's actually like probably one of the easiest service positions I've had. But, um, you know, you're right about like, that not thinking about yourself piece, right? Because I, it's not a voting position. It's not a position where I get to weigh in on things. It's not about my opinion. It's literally just like I'm sitting there and my whole job is, you know, are we operating according to traditions? Is everybody speaking in turn? How can I best serve the home groups, right? Because like ultimately area answers to the home groups, um, you know, and it's definitely like much more of a team approach kind of position. So um, thank you for sharing on that. Um, Connor, if you have the willingness, we'll kick it over to you to pick up with One Way We Practice on 207. Yeah. Hey, Ron. Uh, Connor Addicts. Um, yeah. So one way we practice these principles is to be of service to our employer. Some members have asked themselves, how do I practice unity at work? How do I let my HP be in charge during my workday? What is the primary purpose of this workplace and how can I help achieve that? What is my primary purpose here? Whatever our job is, when we can see it as an opportunity to practice our principles, it becomes a worthy use of our time. A member shared responsibility used to feel like a burden to me. Learning to see it as a way to do my higher powers will made it feel like a privilege. With spiritual principles as our guide, we can be an asset wherever we are. Often the people around us see our value before we do. Perhaps most of all, when we are spiritually connected, creativity flows through us. This doesn't necessarily mean that we paint or make music, though it can, but that we can see solutions to problems and find satisfaction in doing whatever we do as best we can. The transition from NA to work is not always seamless. We may be really shocked to find out outside NA the third tradition does not apply. We are not members of other groups just because we want to be. We may have to earn our seat at another table, and there are some places we may never be accepted as we would wish. Additionally, we would seem perfectly natural with our NA friends can be inappropriate or even shocking elsewhere. We are conscious of how we share our feelings and our histories. We learn the difference between friendships, recovery relationships, and professional relationships. And we begin to understand that we can alter our behavior without having to compromise ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I relate a lot to this. Uh, you know, one of the biggest areas in my life uh, I have seen, you know, just strides and leaps and bounds on how I handle myself, uh, my outward look towards what I'm doing, the people I work with is a, is a direct uh, correlation of being in recovery. Um, you know, I, I like to be incredibly grateful that I still have the job that I have today. Um, you know, I came back in the rooms uh, January 23rd um, and it came after a about an 18 month run back out. Um, and during that time, uh, I had messed up at work and they could have easily fired. Um, so with that being said, on those days um, when I don't, so I work in a construction company, I do residential uh, remodeling. On those days when the days are tough, I don't wanna do what I'm doing. I don't like the job that's assigned to me. I not immediately, but most of the time I go to, okay, I'm grateful I have this job. Um, there's 100% I sh shouldn't have this job. Um, it allows me to, you know, change that mindset of getting out of myself because I don't want to be doing this or 
I don't like the house that I'm working in. Um, sometimes I could tell myself, well, if these people don't, don't take care of the house, why should I take care of the house? Um, but I get to step on the job site every day and be of service to someone else. Um, I do what I can to the best of my ability. And when I don't do that uh, in the past, when I don't do that, or if corners are cut or I see other people acting in that way, um, you know, I, I get to stand up and I get to say something. Um, I don't let, I don't let stuff like that slide because at the end of the day, I have to look at myself in the mirror and I have to be proud of what I do. Um, and when I, and when I am proud of what I do and I, and I do what I can, well, that's, you know, that's one of the big ways that I built self-esteem uh, coming back in the rooms this time. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chit chat and chatter um, in the warehouse before we go back out uh, and do our jobs for the day. A lot of people like to gripe, moan and complain. Um, and I feel like that kind of, that kind of attitude towards, towards your job is, it's real infectious. It, it kind of spreads you know, especially when new guys are coming in and they hear they hear people that have been there for a while and they're griping about what they're doing, that automatically turn puts them in a mindset like, man, if these people that have been here for you know six, seven, ten years don't like what they're doing, you know, it's it's not giving them a chance. Uh, so I like to not participate. You know, I don't I don't believe I'm going to control what these people are saying and talk about, but today I don't have to participate in that. I don't have to. I'm keeping my serenity by not joining in on that. And then when I have newer guys that are coming in, you know, and I'm, I got an upbeat look and a good outlook for the day. I really feel like that, that stuff translates. Um, that was not the case before recovery. I was a griper, a complainer, you know, I did all that stuff in the warehouse. So, you know, I'm just, I'm really grateful for, um, you know, these principles that I get to practice now on a daily basis. And, and how it's just, I mean, it's changed my outlook on everything in life. Uh, and, you know, besides work and recovery, work is the place where I spend most of my time. Um, so, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not practicing these principles, if I'm not praying, sometimes I got to stop and I got to, I got to say a serenity prayer or, you know, I got to ask God to, you know, take my will in my life, God me in my recovery. And I got to do that in the middle of the day because, you know, what I do is sometimes you get into things and it's, it's a surprise. Um, and you got to adapt and, you know, I've found flexibility. I'm not so rigid with, with any idea that I have anymore. Uh, so it allows me to adapt, uh, keep that serenity throughout the day. And when I leave a job, you know, I'm mostly proud of what I did and I can look at that customer at the end of the day and uh, shake their hand and look them in the eye. And then, you know, shaking people's hand and looking them in the eye, that's also a new thing. Um, you know, looking, looking down, looking away, because I was probably lying at some point. So, yeah, you know, I'm really grateful you guys uh, let me be of service here and, and talk about this. And thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Connor. Um, and as you're talking about the new guys at work, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, how does NA look for the new guys who come in? And, you know, how do we as people with time welcome them you know uh we do it with hugs here instead of handshakes though what's up doug all right thanks lisa and you're doing look i have to say you're doing a fantastic job facilitating tonight i think you might have to do this for maybe a couple months something like that you might just have eased your way into into that one but these, these four paragraphs I, I i try not to share about work you know like a, as just a thing like i get uncomfortable doing that but these, and so I was hoping to kind of coast through this, but these, these four paragraphs were just really cool, man. Just, um, I'll, I'll make my comments just going backwards from, from here. Uh, the last paragraph that we read talks about we're not members of other groups just because we want to be. And there's some groups that we, we might just not fit in. There's this one group in my, in, in like in my, in my area of profession that, uh, uh, I don't know if I want to be like included in it, but I'm definitely not. You know, and it's kind of like if we see each other at a conference or something like that, they're, you know, they're kind of drinking. They're probably they're they're a little bit drunk at brunch. You know, when we have a, a a brunch meeting, you know, they're already twisted up a little bit and stuff. But they're they're kind of like my peers too in, in the profession, and so, like, I don't belong with that. And I, and it, it's one of those things, man. If I'm connected with 80, 80 people in a room and there's seven that I'm not, like, you know, 
Like my, I, I hyper focus on that. Like what's, what's, what's off about me? Why, why I'm not connected, but you know, but, but going back up, it, it says uh, with, with spiritual principles as our God, we can be an asset wherever we are. I've watched us, man. Like usually, you know, as we stay clean and kind of grow up in the program, we, we usually, whatever, whatever profession we're in, we, we lead things. We really do. Like we get promoted and we lead things because we're, we're guided by principles of saying, Hey, look, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I can do. We show up and we execute it. And those are kind of, those are employable um, assets. And so, so I thought that was really cool, man. I, I see that in my career going on, but uh, the, the, this one, so, so let's, go up on the on page 207 and it talks about um we the distinction between who we are in our work lives and then our recovery the distinctions like fall away and i struggle with that i really do like in my profession i wear a sweater vest every day i wear a collar shirt and i wear a sweater vest no matter if it, if i look like bert and ernie or not you know that's what i do but look outside of work i'm out I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a shirt with sleeves now, but, but I try not to ever wear sleeves, you know, when I'm, I got like sandals and, and, you know, it, and, and, and how I talk, like, I like to, like, I like to say fuck a lot. I just do, you know, but like in my workplace, you know, I, well, I can't say fuck, you know? So, so I don't know. I struggle with that. The last thing I want to say is this, uh, over on, on the bottom of 206, we learn to step back, you know, think before we respond, that was already hit on. But check this out. Not everything that affects us is personal. We don't have to return fire every time. I learned that in the rooms. 1000% I learned that in the rooms. And it's why I don't get fired every fucking single day in work. I don't have to return fire. And one of the things I do, check this out. One of the things I do, I still can't believe it sometimes when I talk about it, but I, I, I co-direct a leadership you know, piece where six people each year, they come in and in, they're a cohort and they're the smartest like in this area, they're, 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 they're the, the achievers, the, the, the smartest, you know, six. And I, and I, and I co co-direct them, kind of guide them. If they don't agree with fucking anything I have to say, well, I want to do this. And, and there's six other, like, no, fuck that. That's stupid. Here's the right way to do it. And it's hard, man. And I don't return fire. I don't return fire. Oh, but I want to though. Oh God. I, Oh, I, but as a result of that, and so I'm going to pass this, I'm going to kick it back to you, Lisa, as a, but as a result of that, and, and living a principled life of what you folks showed me, this past March, I got awarded at our conference, the Humanitarian Award for, for, for serving other people and kind of guiding people and stuff like that. And really, when I, when I went up there to give my little two-minute spiel, you know, stuff like this, I talked about NA without talking about NA. I mean, it's, it's it, you things. We suit up, man. We show up. We give to other people. We, we start thinking about the collective good instead of me. I'll be damn, man. We're, we're looked at, you know, we're looked at as people as like, oh, wow, really good dude. Fuck principal life. No, I'll pass. Thanks, Doug. We're going to kick it over to Casey sneaking in on the down low if you want to introduce yourself and then read the next two paragraphs. Sure. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, everybody. Uh, my apologies for being late. I didn't actually think that I was going to make this, but I'm grateful that the HP has some different things in store. So, my name's Casey. My clean date is 9.30 of 2013, and I attend meetings in the Salem area. Um, all right, let's go. As we advance in our step work, we are more capable of acknowledging our progress in other areas as well. The humility that we learn in the steps helps us find where we belong in the world. We start to feel that we are no better or no worse than anyone else, even at work, and that our gifts are useful. One member talked about finding a job that suited his skills and ills. When we find the right environment, we see that we can be dis distinguished by some of the things that used to make us most uncomfortable about ourselves. Some of us are naturally industrious and others are really good at sitting still and being present in the moment. Either one can be an asset or a defect, depending on how well we use it. The guilt of being unproductive and stealing time at work feeds on itself. On the other hand, the drive to stay in consistent motion can be a consequence of fear. Oh, in constant motion, excuse me. When we don't take time to reflect on what we're doing and how well we're doing it, small mistakes can add up quickly. As with everything else we do, we see a healthy balance. Other issues may differ, but principles we practice are the same. Some of us worked before we got clean and for others of us, work was all we did. By the same token, some of us don't need to work for financial reasons and some are, to switch pages here, too disabled to be able to work steadily anymore. 
Still, we can benefit from keeping a schedule and being accountable. We may resist structure in our lives, but it can help us enormously. We are, after all, creatures of habit. When we feel more of a purpose that gives shape to our days, we are more comfortable with ourselves and our lives. Our work can be something that we do to fill time or pay the bills, or it may be one of the primary ways we define ourselves. Those of us who have to work, those of us who have work that is meaningful or valuable to us are fortunate. It's a goal that many of us work towards. And when we feel that we're doing a good job at something that matters, it brings deep satisfaction. Whoever we are, wherever we come from, we have something to offer. Um, you know, it's funny that I didn't think I was going to make this meeting because I'm at a, a work event and, um, and it's on this topic. That's just how, uh, the God of my understanding works in my life. And, um, one of the things that's highlighted in here that I really love, it says we start to pull that we are no better or no worse than anyone else, even at work that our gifts are useful. And I know that when I got here, I didn't feel that right. Like that, that sentence right there is what my sponsor defines as the word humility, right? I'm no better than you and I'm no worse than you. And when I got here, I was full of humility and um, I, I was full of humiliation. And uh, that carried over into every single thing that I did. I overcompensated for everything. I had to make you feel less than in order for me to feel okay. Um, because in the inside, I had so much guilt and shame inside that I had to make it go away for a, a split period of time. And that makes for a pretty shitty employee. And, um, you know, through this process and through working the steps and through staying the course, no matter uh, how difficult it becomes, you know, today I try to stay in that place of humility and not humiliation. And, uh, you know, as I stated, I'm at this conference and I, I had to come to this conference with a particular person that I have a really, really difficult time being around. And I don't really know. Well, I do know why. What I see in her is what I was when I got here, right? Like that overcompensation, that having to have everybody um, approve of what you do and see you in this certain light. And it just radiates off of her. And um, it's not anything that she's doing. It just throws me back to that place of, of where I was and, and who I was like then. And, uh, you know, today I found myself just. Like I felt externally rolling my eyes when she's speaking. I pray to God it wasn't really externally and that it was an inside thing um, because I, I do know that this program has taught me that I don't have to act out on those things that I think, but um, I'm really thankful not to be in that place anymore where I can be... I can be proud of who I am when I show up for work, right? Like I'm no longer that person that's stealing time. I'm on most days, no longer that person that's gossiping or character assassinating. Uh, I will not say that it's always like that because there are some days where, um, you know, my mouth opens before my brain has a chance to think. But on most days, um, I can show up with grace and integrity, even when people uh, that I don't, necessarily have in my inner circle or in my presence. Um, one of the things that a previous chapter or a previous paragraph talked about was uh, relationships, right? Like what personal relationships look like and what work relationships look like. And what I've learned over this process is that um, not everybody has to be in my inner circle, right? Like the people, I do have people at work that I treasure and that I would trust with my life, but there are other people where they're not in that inner circle, but that does not mean that they don't deserve kindness, respect, and grace. And so getting to a point where even though, even this particular person, she, I wouldn't spend any time with her outside of work, but when I'm at work with her, I have learned to what comes out of my mouth is kind and graceful and tactful, um, right? She's a colleague. She's a, a personal, we have a professional relationship and we're all on the same team. We're all there trying to do the same thing. And uh, I didn't know that when I got here, I told you whatever I thought, or I didn't tell you anything. And internally I was screaming because 
I, there was no balance there. Right. And today, even if I disagree with her, um, I can do it in a way that doesn't feel like I'm attacking her. And that's a, that's a direct result of, of the work that this program has, has taught me. You know, the other piece of this that it talks about is consistency and change and, and what that looks like. And I, uh, spent so long being a creature of no habit besides getting loaded, um, that change is really scary for me. And, uh, you know, I'm at a place in my job where I have outgrown, uh, the company that I work for. And, um, I feel really, um, internally struggling with that because I have this sense of loyalty to them. You know, they've invested in me. Um, I've been there for many years and I'm scared of what's on the other side. And, uh, so I'm, I am, I'm doing a lot of shifting right now and, and a lot of applying it somewhere else. And then, oh, saying, I will literally do an application, get an interview. They offer me the position. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stay with the company that I'm at. And it's out of fear. It's out of freaking fear of what's going to happen. What lies on the other side of this? And, and the sense of this company gave me a shot when I was barely clean. You know, they knew my background, they knew my, uh, my legal troubles, uh, and they gave me a shot. And so there's this, this sense of I'm betraying them. And, um, thankfully I have a boss that I can talk to that says, you've just outgrown us, you know, and that's okay. And, uh, and so I just have to walk through that fear. I have to stay in constant contact with my higher power through the situation and, um, you know, continue to do the work to see where my higher power is leading me and not try to react out of fear, but try to respond with what my higher power is asking me to do. So I don't know if any of that made any sense, but that's what I got. Thanks, Casey. Glad you were able to join us. Jane, we're going to come to you for the next two paragraphs, please. That's great. Are we starting with our work ethic? Cool. Our work ethic is the collection of habits that determine how we use our time. When we set our minds to something, we can be exceptionally determined. Few people are ever as driven in their lives as an addict in search of a fix. When we learn to turn that determination toward healthy goals, we can achieve amazing things. We know if we do something regularly, it will become a habit for us. What begins as discipline develops into habit, and eventually it becomes a pleasure. There is danger in this method, however. Substitution can be deadly, especially when it seems to be working for us. The hallmark of our disease is progression. When we notice that our relationship to an activity has allowed us to justify unmanageability elsewhere in our lives, it's probably time for a good hard look at our actions, our motives, and our steps. We can be haunted by feelings of inadequacy well into our recovery and spend our time and energy trying to prove ourselves or live up to an unattainable and imaginary standard. We may swing between being very insecure and eager to please, and resisting the most basic rules and requirements of a job. Our lack of self-acceptance shows when we can't take compliments. When we feel bad about ourselves or unworthy, we tend to overcompensate. We may find ourselves covering for others or taking undesirable shifts for fear that we are somehow more expendable than others. I excelled at work, said a member, but I still didn't feel responsible or productive. Inadequacy haunted me. It can be hard to tell the difference between a genuine desire to do better and performance that's driven by fear. Yeah, this is a really good chapter. I, I think as I we were reading uh, and I was listening to some of the really good comments here today, uh, I was thinking, um, you know, growing up in recovery uh, can be painful, but awfully rewarding. And there's, uh, there's such a parallel line between my work life and my recovery life. And things that I learned in recovery life uh, translated really nicely into work and vice versa. 
Oh, learning how to, I like what Douglas was talking about, not returning fire. Um, learning to sit still and listen, as opposed to learning how to um, say something if I needed to say it and say it in a tactful way rather than an attacking way or a, a rude way. Um, learning to have behaviors <laughs> that's inappropriate in some places, inappropriate or even shocking elsewhere outside the rooms. Um, I spent a great deal of my life trying to be what you wanted me to be, whoever you were, which happened to be wherever I was. I would try to figure out what you wanted and try to be it. And so when I got to recovery, I was kind of a, a schism of several different personalities, depending on who I was around or even how I was dressed. I had several different outfits, depending on if I was the bar fly or the biker shit or the uh, nun coming out of church. You know, I just depended on who I was around. And I played all those parts really well, but um, and I probably could have been diagnosed, but I never sought outside help. So I, I got here and I was all these schisms. And uh, and through recovery and the practicing of the principles, I kind of put those all back together again uh, and started practicing uh, within the fellowship and then outside the fellowship at work and in other places, how to express myself regardless of what you thought. Uh, spend time thinking about how I felt about something and what my principles were and what my values were instead of trying to figure out what yours were. And um, and that was a whole process of learning how to speak my truth without having to, you know, destroy you with a bunch of neck shots and name calls. And uh, almost up to the day I left work, I was fortunate to actually learn how to keep a job. And I, I worked someplace for 30 years and almost without exception every year, they'd send me to a class on how to be uh, assertive instead of abusive. And uh, and how not to, not to shoot off that email before I thought about it. You know, that pause, don't, don't send, don't send, don't send. And, uh, and I developed some friendships there that um, I could go talk to and we could vent in the bathroom. We'd lock the door and I'd vent for a while. And then, then they'd say, now go delete that email. Don't send it. No, no. But I also had to learn the difference between friendships, relationships, and professional relationships. I got burned a few times because I uh, tried to intermix those, and they don't always intermix. So a lot of growing up, learning how to be assertive instead of abusive or uh, aggressive. And uh, I think the longer that I'm around, the longer I'm practicing, and the more it becomes me instead of something I read or talk or pray about, but that is truly me, um, the less I need to change your mind, the more willing I am to sit and listen and allow you to have, uh, my friend says, you know, they're allowed to make mistakes. They're, they're, they're blessed. They get to be wrong, but you don't have to tell them they're wrong. I don't know. So, uh, it's a long process, though. I, I wanted to come in, read this book, and graduate, you know, sometime in between six and nine months because I was so smart. And, um, you know, many years later, I'm still trying to learn. And, uh, and fear doesn't drive me today. I recognize fear. I see fear. But fear doesn't have to drive me today. And, uh, I've got a big God today. I've been practicing with him a lot, so he's got big muscles. Thanks. Thanks, Jane. Uh, I agree with you. I think NA taught me how to type as per my last email instead of can you fucking read, right? <laughs> um, I think we've all sent those at some point in time or another if you work professionally or send email for work. Uh, hey, Jen, what's up? Well, I just have to say that because um, this just happened like two and a half hour ago at work. I'm going to talk about this a little raw, so bear with me. Uh, I am being haunted by feelings of inadequacy. And um, I'm super grateful that um, I'm aware. I didn't know it in those words at the moment until I read it, but that's how I'm feeling. 
um, you know, I have this new job and uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, and that's okay. I, I've kind of gotten over that piece. Um, but I'm working with somebody who's supposed to be teaching me how to do it. And it's not been a pleasant experience. Um, and I had a situation a couple hours ago in a meeting in front of my new boss where this person that's supposed to be teaching me how to do bit my head off twice in a meeting um, in front of a bunch of people. And, and I was actually right in what she needed to do to fix the problem. And, um, and it took everything I had to not like say, that's what I said to do. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's, it's been a difficult transition for me, um, coming from a career that I was in for a really long time that, that was meaningful and I got deep satisfaction from my job. It was just time for me to move on into a different place because I desire to have a career that's also meaningful, but the job I have now is a means to get to that end. And it's a very different place to be. And Narcotics Anonymous um, and, 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 and steps and principles and all of that shit that I wanna fucking throw out the window at this very moment and tell her about herself. Um, is helping me to not, right? Um, I have mouths to feed. I have kids to take care of. You know, I have a home today because Narcotics Anonymous has given me some gifts. Um, and if I don't work here, I don't have the way means and ways to pay for that. You know, it's like, it's a very logical process in my head, but emotionally, I want to tell her to go fuck herself. I don't want to write an email that says, per my last email. I literally want to say, go fuck yourself and I'm out. And deuces and chuck and chuck deuces and and bolt and I'm not going to do that you know I'm just have not had time to process I literally ran into this podcast uh, from that experience um and as my head is reeling and I like I sat down I'm like we're gonna fucking talk about work great you know what I mean and I was going to be silent the whole podcast was really what I was going to do but um and, and I'll finish up here you know I can feel inadequate and still be a good employee, right? I've learned that in Narcotics Anonymous. I cannot feel like I'm doing a good job sponsoring the women that I work with, knowing that I have something to offer to them, right? Like there, there's a ways and a means for me to identify what the problem is. It's going to be me. No matter what, I'm going to be the problem because how I react is going to how this is going to end, right? Whatever she does, she gets to be and at some point, whatever, we'll figure it out. But the goal here for me, and this, and Douglas actually taught me this, like, this is just like a doorway to get to the next place that I want to be, right? This is not a permanent, I'm not stuck, I'm not, I'm not, you know what I mean? And so like, once I step back and look at it in that light, it's not so bad. Do I still want to tell the bitch about herself? Yeah. Am I going to? No, I'll tell other people about it later and talk about it and process it. So um, I'm going to save my job today and not do that. And uh, <laughs> wish me luck. <laughs> I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you so much for your vulnerability, Jen, sharing something so fresh. Um, but that's how we do it, man. That's how we stay clean. Uh, Lee, can we come over to you for our next two paragraphs? Thanks, Lisa. When fear is driving us, we may notice that procrastination becomes an issue. We are afraid to finish what we start and begin making excuses. When I get close to the end of a project, it feels like I'm in a wind tunnel. I don't know where the resistance comes from, but it's so strong, I can barely get my feet under me. We can have so many ideas and so much unfinished business that making a decision about what to do next compounds our anxiety. One addict shared that he felt like a quarter horse in a one mile race, a great starter, but a really poor finisher. Sometimes we can even use our defects to our advantage. For example, <clears throat> we may beat ourselves up because we procrastinate what we fear. We can also use that energy to get a lot of other things done. I'm rarely more productive than when I'm procrastinating, said one member. 
I might get the whole house clean because I'm putting off studying or I'll get the bills done because I don't want to have a hard conversation. But all that effort spent on busy work doesn't get us closer to our goal. Sooner or later, we must admit the truth and deal with the things we are avoiding. Most of the time, the avoidance takes much more energy than the doing. Efficiency is the result of clearing out that defective stuff that drains us of our time and our energy. And procrastination <laughs> was one of my favorite defects. And this power greater than myself has a, a, brilliant, uh, a brilliant sense of humor. Um, and, and Jen, I didn't want to share either because I don't really work. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to say? Like, 10 years ago when I was the senior vice president, blah, 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 blah. You know, so I, I feel you. I feel you. Um, that that defect character has, has been minimized. Um, I'm not a list writer. I kind of know what I need to do. And, and then I just get up and, you know, pray, meditate, shower, and push through. Um, that last quote in the first paragraph, one addict shared that he felt like a quarter horse in a one mile race, almost made me laugh out loud. A great starter, but a really poor finisher. And I can remember an early recovery. I could start like 10 projects, you know what I mean? And not get shit done. I mean, just be all over the place. Um, excuse me. Uh, and, and as time and process uh, happens, I became more focused and uh, Jen, you also reminded me the first time I was in a board meeting and was asked, what did, what did I think we should do? And I only had about six years clean and I felt like a fraud. I started stuttering. I said, why don't we take a five minute break? And I went in the bathroom and got on my knees and I prayed and I went back and I had an answer and it was total bullshit. But they thought it was a great idea. I mean, it was. I'm not lying to you. It was just like, it was just like I just threw a, a rock and said, "Let's try this." And they were like, "Oh God, that's a great idea. Let's do that, Lee." And we did it. And uh, yeah, and it it turned out to be a brilliant career. Um, but one of the things I love about our process is that when we do practice all these principles that have been been mentioned throughout tonight's podcast. Uh, change starts to happen so so we can we can embrace our fears and and we can be vulnerable like we just heard in the prior share uh and we can do all of this clean and get through it so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave a little time lisa thanks thanks lee and connor you're probably gonna wrap us up for the evening what's up yeah i just i just felt uh yeah so this is what I like. So when stuff like this comes up in the reading, I know I'm exactly where I need to be because this is, I felt this, these two paragraphs, I felt it really hard. Um, I have this inability sometimes to, to get things started uh, with that anxiety or as I'm coming towards the end of a project. Um, and what I've, you know, what I've learned and I, and I wanted to talk about it because I need to remind myself because I still don't do this. I still don't do this well. Um, even if it comes down to when I have to pick up the telephone to make an appointment for myself, I get this overwhelming, um, you know, anxiety that stops me from doing it, which then in turns give me, uh, gives me more anxiety and stress because I'm not taking care of the things I need to take care of. And I just, I circle, I circle in this, uh, in my head and, and I just feel like I'm, I can't get my head above water. Um, but what I really love about this program um, when it comes to this area, because it's taught me, um, I, don't, I don't have to do any of this stuff on my own anymore. I'm not, I don't have to let all that stuff sit upstairs in my head, let the committee convene and stop me in my tracks. I don't have to let that fear take over. Um, I don't always reach out right away, but what I always do is I pray. I pray about the situation. I pray for uh, my higher powers will for me. And it almost always leads to me then picking up the phone and calling my sponsor, letting him know what's going on. 
calling another buddy in recovery, let them know what's going on. Cause that way it kind of puts, it puts this little bit of accountability. Now these people know what's going on in my life and it's not just me trying to solve uh, this problem in my life. Um, yeah, I just, I really wanted to just kind of talk about that. Cause like I said, I need to do this better. I have stuff in my life right now that I'm putting off that when we read this, I was like, oh man, I need to, I started jotting that down. I got it down for my, uh, for my inventory tonight, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, I really appreciate you. Let me, let me share on that. Thanks, Connor. And thank you to everyone who shared their thoughts this evening. And uh, thank you to our listeners for spending your time with us. That wraps us up for episode 58 of the Living Clean on the Anonymous podcast. We will see you next week. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone feel led to do so.